Welcome to the Business Storyteller Podcast by PictoChart. This is a series of conversations with inspiring leaders and entrepreneurs to share their knowledge and experience in storytelling for their business. If you're curious to learn how the art of storytelling can make an impact on your business and brands, the Business Storyteller Podcast is for you. My name is Agata. I'm the head of marketing at PictoChart, uh, the all-in-one visual communication tool and the organizer of the Business Storyteller Summit. And I'm excited to welcome my guest, uh, Esther Choi. Uh, Esther is the president and chief storyteller facilitator at Leadership Story Lab. She teaches storytelling to institutional and individual clients who are searching for more meaningful ways to connect with their audiences. Since launching Leadership Story Lab, Esther and her team have uh, served clients such as, for example, United Airlines, Tyson Foods, PwC, uh, Brookfield Asset Management, and US Cellular. She has helped them get promoted, excel in their jobs, and motivate their teams and customers through storytelling. Esther is also the author of the book uh, let the story do the work, the art of storytelling for business success, which you can see in the background as well. She has the book there. Uh, and her work can be seen regularly on uh, Forbes, Virgin and Entrepreneur. Welcome, Esther, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this conversation with you for a while. <laughs> Great. So let me jump right in because it's really like, you know, something that is interesting audi our audience, the registrants a lot. Why do you think it is so essential for leaders to master their storytelling skills? I'm so glad you start with this one. And the answer to that is so important and yet so basic. It's so basic that most people don't think about it. And this very critical and yet basic fundamental truth is that we as humans forget a lot and very quickly. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Or what, uh, who did you talk to over the weekend? You know, these are things that didn't happen you know, not that long ago, but we quickly forget is human nature. And so stories help us remember stories, any sort of data, especially if it's nested and weave into a narrative, is up to 20 times more likely to be remembered. But even more important than that, um, that is a, one of my favorite quote from Alan Weiss, um, and that is logic makes people think, emotions make them act. So, why we tell stories in business is not because we all want to fulfill the closet performers inside us. Although if you have that, that's great for you. But we tell stories in business because we want to persuade. We want to create change. We want to compel people to act. And that's why storytelling is so important for leaders to master. Yeah, I think it's definitely true. Like now when you said it as well with this example, like, you know, remembering doing something over the weekend, it definitely applies that like, you know, if you nest it into a story or if there is a story attached to it, it's way easier to remember it as well. And, and people want to listen to a story as well. But 
where can leaders apply storytelling skills? Like, you know, is it, I know that it often like people see that uh, it can be something uh, included in the strategy because it's, some, it's a topic that comes a lot as well. Um, but are there other areas? Like, could you give us a few uh, not so obvious examples? Sure, sure. I think everywhere, every day, uh, there are, they're just littered with opportunities for us to tell stories. The key is that you might not be asked explicitly, say, hey, I got to tell me a story. You know, um, people may or may not know to explicitly ask for that, but it doesn't mean that the opportunities aren't there. For example, I know this one, no matter who you are, where you're from, how high uh, in your organization you have climbed or you just started out, I know, I know, I know you've been asked this before. And this is, tell me about yourself, right? Everybody has been asked to respond to that questions. And that's a great opportunity to tell them a story instead of regurgitate your resume. Mm. Um, a second example, uh, would be uh, when you are speaking with your higher ups, with your managers, um, they probably don't have time to hear the nitty gritties and all the hard work every hour that you put in on uh, fulfilling your job. But they want to hear a story that encapsulates the commitment, the challenges, the setbacks, but hopefully ultimate triumphs and success that you have brought um, the impact that you have created. Um, when you talk to a customers, especially when you talk to a prospective customers, they are going to pit you against your competitors, even if they don't explicitly say so. And so what you're going to do is not so much of elbowing out the next companies, and uh, trying to uh, sell features or even benefits. But what they wanna know is a future picture of what are you gonna bring me? What are you gonna do for me if we buy from you? Cause you're selling a future that has not happened yet. And so storytelling in that scenario can uh, really tap people's imagination in addition to invoking emotion, the right emotion for them to act. I've asked people over uh, the past 10 years that I've been um, teaching storytelling prep work before training, and um, I've asked them to uh, tell me situations where they thought storytelling could have made a positive uh, difference. And over the years, I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of very different scenarios, you know, designed um, clients. Uh, one person uh, said, wouldn't even talk to me if I don't articulate the why. Um, it applies to clinical trial when you're trying to recruit um, people who uh, participate in the clinical trial. I think that's a really hot topic right now. And so they're just everywhere. I think if you only pay attention, you can tell stories nonstop every day. Yeah, I think you are right. Like we all have multiple stories uh, from our life that we could uh, definitely incorporate, like either in conversations with clients, like you said, or like when we talk with our team members. Um, but how would you identify and choose the right story that would get people interested and, and convinced by what you are actually saying? So 
we all have more stories than we'll have an opportunity to use. So the challenge is which one? Mm -hmm. uh, I would say several criteria. Um, I would say that the one with the most relevant takeaway, that's the end of the story. Um, the ones with the most su surprises and suspense um, in the story. And some of it is depending on how you tell the story, you can build in surprises and suspense. And last one would be, what do you feel most compelled? Uh, what do you feel most strongly about? Because ultimately you're the messengers, you're the vessels that carry the story across. So you have to feel the story in order for the story to do its work, to do its persuasion work. So I would say those three are the ones um, that are most important. Mm -hmm. I think that brings us to a follow-up question. What are the most critical elements of a good story? Because you did mention it a bit already. And, and if the founders who are watching the session would like to use uh, storytelling to persuade, let's say the whole organization to follow a new strategic direction, what should they keep in mind? What do you think? Yeah, number one thing is a sound structure a sound story structure. Now you don't have to be a rhetoric, a student of rhetoric, you don't have to be an English major or anything language related specialist. Mm -hmm. Just remember this, IRS, okay? Mm -hmm. I don't mean internal revenue services, but my IRS stands for intriguing beginning, mm -hmm. R stands for riveting middle, and S stands for satisfying end. So mm -hmm. intriguing beginning, riveting middle, satisfying. And if you just remember this structure, then you are 50% there. Now, if you can get your structure in place, then two other things are really important. Um, you have to identify a theme. And this theme is um, what I say, what, what I call it, what is this really about? And you have to be able to say it in one short sentence. If you go on and on in paragraphs and paragraphs, that is not a theme. And then the last thing that's pretty important is that, is there a challenge and is there a change as a result? Because mm -hmm. I'd like to say challenge is the nerve center of a story and change is the soul of it makes sense and and do you think this could apl be applied to any type of story because um i know we got a question around it as well that like um uh is it possible to sometimes change a boring situation uh into something interesting uh, so i was wondering if maybe you have some example <laughs> from the past from working with your clients where it was like rather a boring situation that was effectively turned to, into an interesting anecdote yeah yeah um, there are plenty um, because I do have clients who deal with data, uh, who deal with technologies, uh, cybersecurities, uh, who have to do quarterly business reviews, uh, PL reports, again, quarterly. And so much of it, yes, is, could be boring. But remember what I said about suspense and surprise? Mm -hmm. Some of it is, uh, especially surprises, is not due to anybody's doing, but a lot of it is how you um, tell the story. So 
I'd also like to say that business storytelling is a strate- strategic sequencing of facts and emotion. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you tell it in the chronological way, you're not telling a story. If you start with, hello, my name is, hello, this is about, mm-hmm. hello, this is uh, the, the overview, hello, this is the executive summary, that mm-hmm. those are typical but they're suspense killers, they're surprise killers. And so if you can think of what I know to be mere fact, but your audience may or may not know, right? And you start with, huh, I know that you um, expect at third quarter reporting that the number wouldn't be stellar and you would be right, but I think instead of stressing out about it, we should rejoice. And here's why, right? You're not changing, altering, fabricating, making up anything, Mm -hmm. but you are framing and setting up what your story is really about the theme. Like the number looks terrible and you're right with your expectation. And that's why we should celebrate. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely Uh, makes it unexpected as well. Right, so the surprise and what comes with it, the suspense. So you're either crazy or (laughs) you know something we don't, but for the moment you have their attention because you have managed to create a suspense. You've Mm -hmm. also surprised them. Now I have to say, don't abuse it. Otherwise you lose them very quickly. So to the point where this is legitimately uh, rightfully so, there's suspense and the surprise that you create, then, oh my goodness, how much time did people spend on Netflix watching their favorite shows? And then the same people will tell you, oh, I don't have time. Just give me the executive summary. Or don't, we don't even need to have this meeting. I'll read about it. People do have time mm-hmm. if they feel like they are invested in what you have to say. Yeah, that makes sense. I often see that, you know, everyone follows the same structure, which is like a typical uh, executive summary and so on, like presentation that's usually like no one remembers anything after such a presentation. So I think if it's framed the way you suggested, it definitely like, you know, you get the attention at the beginning already from from the audience. So that's a very good idea. But um, could you maybe tell us as well, like, what are some common mistakes that you have seen that companies make when it comes to like you know storytelling yeah um so here i would blend storytelling with um business communication Mm -hmm. uh just because sometimes it's interchangeable and i see very common mistakes um and some of it all they all have to do with the mindset as well as the behaviors So uh, the number one mistake that oftentimes presenters make is I have to show them how much I know, how competent I am, instead of helping helping audience um, get to um, their needs. So instead of focusing on how much I show you how much I know, rather than think about how much the audience, what kind of things audience needs to understand. That's number one. And number two, um, there's that inherent um, burden of proof 
that prove that we're the best, at least we're better, much better than our competitors, instead of here's how we serve you best. Okay, there's a huge difference because um, same with number one, it's all egocentric. It's how mm. much I know. This is why we're the best rather than you, the audience, how we can serve you best and what you really need. And then the last one is um, there's this inherent burden uh, to feel like you have to be thorough instead of being intriguing and informative. Mm. Yeah, I noticed it also that one other mistake is that um, people go on and on. You, you touched base on it a bit that, you know, they get lost in their own story and uh, then the audience is completely confused as well. <laughs> so they try to use storytelling, but uh, it's just not working that well. Um, but yeah. actually it brings me to another question. Um, you know, because obviously not everyone is an amazing storyteller, right? Like it's something that you have to practice and, and learn as well, and then you could improve. So could you share a few ideas on how leaders could improve or practice their business storytelling skills with, with us and with the audience? Yeah, uh, we're busy enough, right? Uh, with the demands of work, the demands of home and family. One more thing. So I really advocate for storytelling, but I definitely empathize that it, it, it takes time, it takes practice. And so my uh, philosophy is rather do it in slow drips, small drips, but in an ongoing basis rather than, you know, take a huge, you know, avalanche, drink it by, drink it by the fire hose, and then don't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. So if you take a course, good for you. If you go to training, good for you. But then the question is, after the training, after you hear a great speaker, after this session, what are you going to do? Because nobody, I guarantee you, no matter how good they are, is going to magically baptize you and turn you into a good storyteller. So think about instead, every single day, what is one thing I can practice to become a better storyteller. And I guarantee you, even after a month, you'll be that, all that much better. So some of the ideas for what you can do, that one thing you can do every day is perhaps practice IRS, mm. okay? And you can even use writing an email. You don't have to create this platform or, or create this opportunity for you to stand in front of you know, people to tell stories. Think of the subject line as your intriguing beginning. Think of your uh, first two paragraph as your riveting middle and think of your end of the email as your satisfying end. But mm -hmm. it needs to be very brief, right? 150 words most. If you just try to practice that for a week, every single email as much as you can, the subject line is very enticing, very intriguing. Oh, you'll be set. And there are so many ideas that um, we have and we uh, share in our uh, newsletters or articles and whatnot. It's about the slow drip. It's about practicing every day. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, do you think like, how would you know, like, let's say if you do it with the email, right? Like, how would you know that you're improving? Like, would you incorporate some sort of like a feedback in it? Like, uh, should the person maybe ask, like, do you prefer my emails right now than you like them before? Like, you know, how, how could you like also incorporate a bit this feedback loop to know that you yeah. are in the right direction? Yeah, yeah. So that's a great question. So how do you know you're on the right track, right? Because mm -hmm. maybe instead of intriguing beginning, I read your headline and said, uh -uh, not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to even open it. And so I would uh, start with someone you trust, someone you're close to, someone who will be honest and open to you. Um, and uh, I would, in addition to keep doing it, uh, I would ask periodically, uh, so did you want to open that email more so than average or did it make no difference? Was it not intriguing? Was it, did you understand what is it that I'm trying to get you to do? Mm -hmm. uh, be very specific with what you're asking instead of asking, hey, do you like my email? <laughs> Because yeah, they wouldn't know what you're practicing and going after. Um, mm -hmm. Another thing that I would really recommend is instead of, in addition to telling better stories, I think we all need to do a better job collecting stories. Mm -hmm. And that is done by asking great questions. So here's another thing that you can practice. What is one great question that I can ask today? that get mm -hmm. other people to tell me their stories. Mm -hmm. So you could actually incorporate the stories of um, your colleagues as well and uh, build them in and say, if you are working on strategy or um, yeah. yes. selling to clients, right? Yes, 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 yes. Otherwise, what's coming from you tend to be all from a similar point of view, mm -hmm. right? And that's the monotony and uh, what seemed like, oh, it's not that exciting anymore is because you are where you drawing the source of the stories from yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Versus if you incorporate other people's stories, naturally other point of view and other voices, that's going to enrich your stories. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I also noticed something on your website um, that you offer a guide for story clubs. Uh, and I will got very intrigued by it. <laughs> so I would love to learn more. I'm sure also our audience would love to learn more. What are story clubs? Yeah, so this is taken um, sort of borrow from a book club idea. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whether you have been in one or not, the basic idea is that a small group of people all read the same book and then there are discussion guides for mm -hmm. the group to basically get a deeper understanding of um, the book and the point of views and the story and whatnot. And so the story club is a uh, do-it-yourself uh, facilitated guide as a companion to my book, Let the Story Do the Work. And the point of it is that speaking of practice, if you can afford the time once a week to get together with two or three friends um, and then go through different points of the book and select an exercise together so that you can give each other feedback. So that's, that companion guide is uh, free mm -hmm. and um, Amazon now sells my book cheaper than I can get my own book at the uh, author's rate. So it's really a 
I mean, a no-brainer investment, I think, on yourself and your company. That's great. Yeah, I, maybe we'll add as well this link to the to your speaker page so that um, the audience can find as well the, the guide easily. And so I'll do this. And I would like to go as well through a few questions from our audience that we have received that, you know, are related as well to leadership and like how you can incorporate story. So we have received one question from our attendee and marketing uh, manager. Uh, how to manage people who are the same age as you? Uh, how to build your credibility as a leader with them? Yeah, so I think inherent uh, the subtext of that story is you're managing people the same age as you or maybe even older than you. Mm -hmm. So the subtext of that is, who are you? Who are you to manage me? Mm -hmm. And it goes back to um, tell me about yourself. Who are you that I should respect you and follow you and work, not only work for you, but work hard for you? I think the uh, number one thing is uh, if the situation applies, I would totally uh, just acknowledge that, oh, we're the same age and uh, we bring in different experience. I think this is why I'm in this position. And um, if you acknowledge, just acknowledge that you something that could be a source of uh, tension, then the funny thing is that when you acknowledge it dissipates, maybe not completely, but it dissipates. Number two is that I would think about as much share experience as possible. You know, mm -hmm. maybe working uh, a part-time or two or three uh, part-time jobs to put yourself through college. Uh, maybe a love for sports or a sports team. Uh, maybe how much you hate the uh, scheduling software mm -hmm. um, that you guys have to use. You know, the list is endless. So besides acknowledging and besides think of share experience to share stories with. And number three is I encourage people to think about what are two or three character defining stories mm -hmm. that you ought to share with everyone, especially if you're trying to prove your place, um, your current place in the company. And so, um, for example, I... Um, don't share that often, but uh, if the situation calls for it, I will say that uh, my husband and I, uh, at a time before we were married, we uh, had a two-year long-distance relationship mm -hmm. before a time of um, conference calls. So before there was Skype, and there's two generations before Skype, um, I worked in Eastern Washington, and he worked in Brussels mm. and we did that for two years and it was hard. It was challenging. It really pushed us, really tested us. But I think till this day, um, this is probably the hardest thing and the thing that I'm most proud of. Mm. So Something. to me, that is a character defining story that mm. even though it had nothing to do, it has nothing to do with work. Mm. Um, but to me, uh, that shows you character more so than any other examples that I can think mm -hmm. of. And as you mentioned, it helps you as well to connect on this more emotional level, right? So you build this relationship with the person that you tell the story to. Yes, 
Yes, because everyone, even if they can't identify with that specific situation, maybe they've never had a long distance relationship. Don't know anybody who had done a, had a long distance relationship, but I would say that most people have had to deal with something in their life that's really challenging. Yeah, and that's the core emotion that you are sharing with that person. Yeah, I definitely did. So I can relate. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it was challenging, I have to admit, but we already had like, you know, video calls. So we were the lucky ones. I would say so. I I admire you for sure. Thank you. Sorry, would work with me. Uh, We also got another question from a VP of sales. uh, he asked if uh, you could share a few ideas on, on how he could convince executives to make a buying decision. Sure. Um, how can you convince decision maker of a buying decision? Um, again, implying that uh, they don't want to or there's resistance to the idea. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have to persuade anything. You just go shopping, right? Um, so. Again, I would start with acknowledging what's in the room. So I would acknowledge what you know at your, to your best ability, where the hesitations come from, where the resistance comes from, where maybe even the fear comes from in a very respectful, gentle way. And so just get it out there. Never mind if you don't agree with the with it. Never mind if you think it's the silliest thing to worry about. It doesn't matter because there's a persuasive power when you hear your own thoughts, especially your own feelings, through the voice of another human being. It's like a best stable, uh, uh, stabilizing mechanism when you're dealing with someone who does not agree with you or what you think you should do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's tons of research on that actually that you know people don't hear until they feel hurt. Mm-hmm. It's the basic human nature. And then once you've acknowledged that their point of view, then I would then go about thinking the, 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 what people, the mistakes that people make is that they tend to jump right into it. Like, mm-hmm. hey, Uh, we shouldn't have to do manual verification anymore. This is 21st century, right? Whatever it is that you wanted to persuade, um, I've seen clients just tend to jump right into it before they acknowledge. Wait till you acknowledge, then you go into the meat part of what most people start with. And that is, here are the reasons. And then don't end with it end with a very concrete, tangible picture of the future of mm-hmm. what your, is it buying for what, buying for a, a brand new dashboard, buying you know, a, a brand new office, you know, what is it? But articulate in a very concrete way the future with this thing that you're trying to buy. Mm-hmm that's what a satisfying end really means so kind of it's this promise as well that you you show to the audience as well like how yeah go better right like you change better 
Yeah, yeah. How would it be different? And I've seen plenty of examples that it doesn't have to be this long, elaborate explanation. Uh, one very simple way I've seen uh, to paint a picture of a future mm -hmm. was uh, here's currently how our sales force spend their time, five, six categories and percentage uh, breakdown of how they spend their time. Mm -hmm. And then here's the future time allocation of how our sales force will spend their time, same category, but very distribution, different distributions. So mm -hmm. here's current, here's status quo, here's future, you know, with this new implementation software implemented. And then of course, the, the part that everybody despise, hate doing, shrink itself by more than half, and then thus creating more room for relationship and business development and more sales and more revenue. That's the part that most people or everybody want. And that's the part that is very visually clear that, oh, what we hate, shrink a lot. What everybody loves, oh, expanded by quite a bit, right? So it's one picture that tells all, and you don't have to go into too much of an elaborate explanation at all. Yeah, people love also some data points always. <laughs> it's good to always have something. The uh, right one is so powerful. Yes, exactly. Um, the last question is um, from an educational social enterprise. Um, we don't sell products to customers in uh, our social media, but we post content to create collaboration and share the impact, insights, and inspiration. What kind of stories can further help us to advance our cause? Yeah, yeah. The uh, uh, cause-based uh, selling, um, those are in some level harder and some level easier. But if you know what your story should pinpoint, um, you can minimize the challenge of that kind of selling and maximize the benefit. Uh, mm -hmm. One thing is understand um, the identifiable, identifiable victim effect. Um, and that basically is saying that people can't relate, relate to millions and billions and trillions. They just can't. Mm -hmm. But people can relate to one person, especially uh, with a face. So uh, as some of my fundraising uh, colleagues said, put a face on the case. Mm -hmm. And so we would rather call it the identifiable beneficiary impact. And, and that is having uh, a face to identify with the cause. Mm -hmm. um, number two is showing before and after. And I would caution that uh, there's often a systemic issues uh, that is uh, stalling progress, sometimes years, sometimes centuries. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I did encourage people to pinpoint challenges, right? And change, right? But we have to be very careful about not portraying the challenge as so great that it backfires. Because if the challenge is so great, what often happens is that people go, well, there's nothing can be done about it. So, uh, so showing the before, but be very careful about where you draw the line of the challenge. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing I, uh, I would encourage people to think about, what are some basic um, 
facts of life that you can lean on um, to carry, whether it's your campaign and whether it's you know, your, your cause. Um, I recently am working with a group of people. I'm certifying them to do story facilitations with me. So they get to use all our tools and uh, training process. And one of them talked about how um, she was about to go to a restaurant, but waiting for an elevator with her husband. The elevator is very slow and they're just growing impatient, tapping their feet and wondering, should they just take the stairs? It's just on the floor, you know, we can take mm -hmm. the stairs. And then they didn't realize that um, somebody with them waiting for the elevator, um, sitting on the wheelchair can hear them debate, mm -hmm. should they wait or should they take the stairs? And then eventually the gentleman in the wheelchair turned to them and say, take it, take the stairs because you can. Wow, that's powerful, yeah. <laughs> so take it because you can. Um, it's so simple, you don't have any big uh, fancy words, but that really speaks to some basic fundamental uh, truth about lives uh, mm -hmm. that's, uh, it's, it's, it's gold, if you struck gold and you should definitely use it. Mm, yeah, that's a very good story. I think it's, it's also something that like, you know, people can connect a bit more and, and definitely it taps to their emotions as well. Thank yeah. you so much, Esther. It was really a pleasure to have you here with us and then to learn from you. Thanks for sharing your, your knowledge, your insights with the audience of the Business Storyteller Summit. Uh, I'm sure all of us learned a lot as well from it. and. I think if, if you know people would want to learn more a bit like how to apply storytelling uh, leadership, they could definitely check out your book or uh, your website. Uh, maybe you could also shortly tell a bit about the trainings that you're offering. Yeah, yeah. So um, obviously uh, the book is such a easy, uh, low cost way to invest in yourself. If you want more structured feedback, uh, if you want to, um, being able to be trained as well as applied what you learn immediately uh, on a pitch deck, uh, whether it's job interviews, uh, whatever it may be, uh, because my training is based only on what are your current challenges mm -hmm. that telling better stories can help you uh, create a, a more positive impact. So it's the same process and same framework, but I apply it to uh, the particular situations that you are facing. So, and it's very interactive. I love it um, and people have fun and um, it's usually uh, 90 minutes, two hours per session and even a whole day, uh, two days. Uh, people felt like, oh, I can't believe two days, one day just, just flew right past. Well, you know, when you're immersed in it, you're, you're engaged in it, you don't pay attention to time. Yeah, this type of trainings are always the best ones that when you are really engaged and you, know, you can interact with. You learn by doing definitely. Well. Yes, yes, totally agree. Thank you once again, um, Esther, and, um, and goodbye. Thank you, thank you. We hope you find this episode valuable. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out PictoChart for more visual storytelling tips. PictoChart is an easy to use visual content maker 
with more than 500 templates for you to choose from, ranging from infographic, presentation, report, social media graphic, and more. Join more than 8 million people who are already using PictoChart to craft amazing visual stories. That's all for today on the Business Storyteller Podcast, and we'll catch you at the next one.